lovely morning, isn't it? Well, be encouraged, men. Eternity is going to be amazing and good. This morning, probably not. But anyway, last week we looked at the fact that a wife is told by God to submit to her husband, and that submission means to obey. But further than that, it is also about having a godly attitude a willing submission that flows from her walk with God. Now, Peter has been addressing predominantly those under authority. And I believe that he's been doing so because of the nature of the persecution of the church to whom he is writing. So he wrote to those under governing authority. He wrote to those uh, under a master. He's writing to people under authority because the church is under authority and is currently being persecuted. And so that is the context to which he writes. However, he does make a remark here to husbands and to you men who desire to be a husband. And that is where we are at together this morning. My prayer is that you understand this morning that your role to lead your wife and her submission is not a carefree pass card to have a servant at home so you can do what you want. No. This is a God-given responsibility that you need to take seriously to love and honor your wife. I think one of the biggest shocks, this is coming from me, that Beth may have ever had in our 24 years of marriage was while we were living in Alice Springs and I was sitting in a cafe with a mate. And while we were sitting there having a coffee and talking, I looked on the notice board that the cafe had and there was a sign, Weekend Salsa Dance Boot Camp. And I thought, why not? So I text Beth out of the blue and said, hey, want to do a salsa dance boot camp with me? Like, seriously, I don't dance ever. I just, I cannot even imagine what must have gone through Beth's head when she got that text. Anyway, she wrote back, sure, and then me being me, I roped in four other couples uh, to make them do the boot camp with us. And what I can tell you is, it was a seriously fun day. Uh, a lot of laughter, uh, a lot of, you know, just good times with a group of people. Here's what I learned, and I'm not about to demonstrate, it's okay. But, but here's what I learned. In the salsa, you have to have a partner, and you hold her hand. And the male directs nearly all of the dance through that hand. It's quite amazing. Uh, a tilt of the hand, a push, a pull... A squeeze, like everything is sort of directed by the male partner through that hand. And done well, it just looks amazing, so in sync. Of course, there are problems that can occur. A dance that's tightly instructed around the man leading through his hand, if he won't do it, nothing happens. Also, though, if the female partner that you have has a limp hand, She won't actually press back at all. If there's no tension to work with, it's impossible to direct the dance. Or if the woman actually tries to lead, it won't work. 
The whole dance is designed around a male partner leading and a female partner who holds a firm hand but follows the lead. Husbands, some women are leading marriages and it will make you and it will make them unhappy because the marriage dance was not designed by God this way. They might be leading quite simply because you aren't. Some women may have no resistance. They may be broken and unable to fulfill their part of Scripture because of your domineering way. And that is not how the dance was made. Some of you are doing well. Husbands, you are leading. Wife, you are standing firm but looking for the lead. And this is the marriage that God has designed. And we want to talk this morning about how to fulfill our roles to have that marriage. If you have your Bible, you can open up to 1 Peter 3, 7. That is our passage this morning. Maybe a record for our shortest passage. 1 Peter 3, 7, one verse. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, Live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker partner, showing them honour as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Husbands in the same way. Now, this doesn't mean submit in the same way as your wife. Nowhere in Scripture, not once, is a husband told to submit to his wife It simply means that we are moving on in the context of the passage that we've been in to the next section. In other words, we're looking at submission, which we've been doing for several weeks, and now we're moving on to the next section of submission. So in the same way, husbands, this is how this applies to you, is what Peter is saying. All right, so this is how it all breaks down to you. Firstly, Live with your wives in an understanding way. Cue joke about how it's impossible for men to understand women, right? It's just waiting to happen right there. But live with your wives and understand them perfectly is not what this verse is saying. Now, I believe what I'm about to tell you is critical but it's an interpretive decision I'm making, and you'll have to decide whether or not you think I'm right. I believe what this is saying is live with your wives in fear or in knowledge of what God is saying about your role as a husband. Okay? Live with your wives understanding what God is saying about your role as a husband. Now, that's going to include knowing and caring for your wife. The reason I make that conclusion is this. That word there, understanding way, literally translates, if we read this in Greek, live with your wife according to knowledge. That's what it says in Greek. Right? Live with your wife according to knowledge. What knowledge? Well, a couple of times in Peter already, Peter has referenced the knowledge of God, knowing who God is, informs our understanding of what we should do in this life. So I believe with all my heart, Peter is saying this, live, husbands, live with your wife 
according to the knowledge of what God would have you do. Important? Yeah, it is, isn't it? I think it's meant to be read that way. Live with your wife according to the knowledge of what God says about how you should treat her. The reason this is so crucially important is just like a woman's or a wife's submission to her husband is not anchored on her husband, but on her relationship with God, so husbands, how you lead and care for your wife is not anchored on your wife, but on your relationship with God. Right? This is what's so critically important about understanding what that says. In an understanding way, in a way of knowing who God is, live with your wife. Right, men? Listen up. This means that your primary understanding for your role in marriage does not come from YouTube. It doesn't come from books, movies, mates at work, computer games. It comes from the Word of God. How you live with your wife and the actions you take comes from the Word of God. Full stop. Men, you will never be a godly husband if you don't commit to knowing the Word of God. Full stop. You will never be a godly husband if you don't commit to knowing the Word of God. Now, some of you have wives who are readers, right? They absolutely love reading. And some of you have wives who are quite academic and they can understand the Word and understand theology quite well. Whereas you, on the other hand, last read a book in school and you read the last page, as Tim pointed out earlier, and that's the extent of your reading. And so you're sitting here going, oh man, come on. That's no excuse. God commands you to know what God says about your role in the marriage. It's your submission to God that makes you understand and read the Word. Struggle to read? Get an audio book. Get with groups of men and read the Word together. Take it seriously. You might struggle, but the command of God is for you to know the Word. So turn off your computer and open the Bible. Buy a systematic theology and slowly work your way through it. Because as sure as God told a wife to submit to her husband, he told husbands to know the Word of God and how it relates to his leadership of his wife. All right? Know the Word. If you're failing to do this, it's not your wife you're primarily letting down, although you are. But first and foremost, you're letting God down because He commands you to do it. All right? He commands you to do it. Now, you still need to get to know your wife. One of the most common scriptural references for sex in the Bible is, and He knew her. And the concept is, is that he knew her as a person. It's beyond the physical. There's an understanding of knowing who she is, connected in body and mind. So that's there in Scripture all the time. It's a, it's a great call to know who your wife is. But primarily, this is a call from God that you understand what he says about honoring the marriage. 
So, what is Peter's example of living with your wife in an understanding way or in knowing of what God requires of you? And he says, live with her in a considerate way, in an understanding way, that she is a weaker partner. What does that mean? In what way are women weaker? Well, nothing else in the New Testament or in life suggests that women are intellectually inferior than men. Not true. So it's definitely not that. Are women weaker emotionally? That's where some people want to go in this passage. Why? Because women tend to be more open, more vulnerable in the sharing of their emotions. Tell me, does that make you weaker? I know so many men who won't say a word to their wife about anything that might be slightly difficult because she will open up and want to talk about it and they would rather stay cowardly and just keep to themselves. Right? It's actually a cowardice that keeps men from sharing a lot of the time. Right? It's just easier. How many men actually think that? It's just easier. Right? So no, I don't think that's what it's referring to. Is Peter suggesting that women are somehow morally weaker or, or spiritually weaker than men? Such a view would suggest that men make better Christians than women, which is not taught anywhere in Scripture, and nor is evident through history. No. The most obvious meaning is that women, by and large, are physically weaker than men. On average, by and large, the average man is stronger than the average woman. We see that at the moment all the time with this trans stuff going on, don't we? I don't know whether you guys follow the news, but you'll have a guy who's ranked like 200th in the world in the 100 meter sprints, and then he declares that he's a woman and he's breaking records, literally dominating the field. I mean, I, anyone here ever watched the CrossFit Games? Or am I on my own entirely? I am literally on my own. That's okay. I enjoy it. But one of the things that was really cool to watch is these are like some of the strongest women in the world, and they had like a, a clean and press shootout. So this is a worldwide competition. So all of these strongest women in the world were in a line, and they literally had to pick up a heavy barbell, pick it up, and press it. And they all did it in a line. And then they added weight on, and they all went again, right? Until eventually, they were down to like 10, 5. And eventually, you had one-on-one, -on -one, these two ladies side by side. And then eventually, we had a winner, Tia Claire Toomey, who's an Australian, by the way, champion athlete. Anyway, um, and she won. What's interesting about that is, then the men started. The starting weight for all of the men was heavier than what the winning weight for the woman just was. Right? The starting weight for all of them was heavier than the beginning weight. Right? We are physically different. Basic biology tells us men have higher bone density, more muscle mass, etc. The point of Peter's comment is this. Men, you are called to lead. Your wife is called to voluntarily submit but God says you will not take advantage of the fact that she is physically weaker than you. Full stop. 
God has made men stronger to protect women and children from violence, not to be perpetrators of it. Right? Full stop. And what Peter wrote here was shocking in this day and age. Men had full rights to do whatever they wanted to their wives, but God says through Peter, no. To hit or harm a woman is simply cowardice, and only a bully would do so, and it directly opposes the Word of God. You now it frustrates me, among so many things, about a guy that would hit a woman. Oh, she made me do it. It's the way she speaks to me. It's how she treats me. I could get Mike Tyson to come and say those same things to that guy, and he won't punch Mike Tyson. Guaranteed. You know why? Because he's essentially a coward. He will pick on a woman because she's weaker. He won't pick on a guy who's stronger. And God is saying, no. No. You will not use your physical strength to intimidate your wife. If this is you, men, then you can be forgiven. But you must get help. You must stop. God commands it. Wives, yes, you are called to submit to your husband, but not to submit to abuse because he's been ordered by God here in the Scriptures not to do it. So get help. Get out of the circumstance. And hopefully God can change his heart. All right? Command of God to stop and not use physical strength. However, Peter's command from the Lord is not just in the negative, don't use violence against your wife, but it also has an incredibly positive statement. Don't use violence against her because she's weaker, but show her honor as the co-heir of the grace of life. I want you to know this, ladies. This is really important for your understanding of who God is. Historians tell us in the research I've done that the entire Greco-Roman world, so the Greek culture and the Roman culture of the day, there is not a single other document that says, wives honor your husband, uh, husbands honor your wives. Not one. No one thought it of significance to say husbands honor your wives, except for the Scripture. Because, ladies, God asks you to submit to your husband, but he deeply cares for you. And he commands men not to use their strength against you, and he commands men to honor you. Isn't that amazing? That's the word of God. Nothing else at that period of time was writing this outside of God's word. Men, you are called to show honor to your wife. This is a command of God. Let me put it like this. You can tell how much a man loves Jesus by how he treats his wife. Let me repeat that. I want you to own this. You can tell how much a man loves Jesus by how he treats his wife. How can I say that? Because it is your understanding of God, says Peter, and how he wants you to treat your wife 
that informs your actions. So to not do that is a rejection of what God has asked of you, right? To not understand what God says, to not put it into action, is a rejection of God and what he has asked of you. How you treat your wife reveals how much you love Christ. What does honor mean? Well, it's what God said. Your wife is a co-heir of the grace of life, of eternal life. You are jointly gifted life by God. Jesus died for you husbands, and Jesus died for your wife. He paid the penalty of your sin and hers. She is of great worth to God, enough that the Son of God would lay his life down for her, and he says, men, treat her like it. Honor her as a co-heir of the gift of life. That's a biblical theme, isn't it? Ephesians 5, 25 to 28. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself. Jesus died to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle, but holy and blameless in the same way husbands love your wives. This is really important. Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He died to make the church beautiful and spotless, not by grasping to power, but by sacrifice. In essence, he loved the church as his own body, which is what the scripture says. Husbands, you are to love your wife like that. Now, just to be really clear, Many men would say, I would give up my life for my wife. I would give up my life for my family. Do you know what? That's not how this applies 99.999% of the time. You're not literally going to be in a case where you have to throw your body in front of a truck to save your family. No, love your wife as you would love yourself. Care for her as you would care for yourself. This means you don't get to spend all of your time in the shed, on a computer, or at work, or whatever your selfish vibe happens to be. No, it means daily I will lay down my life for my wife. I love her so much that I would die for her means every day I make a decision to not live for self, but for her and my family. It's daily choices for her benefit and good, to care for her and nourish her spirit. Yes, you are to lead, but you are to lead her again and again to Jesus, and you can't do that from the shed or behind a computer screen. Right? You lead her again and again to Jesus. 
question we often ask is, is your wife closer to Christ for having married you? Is she closer to Christ for having married you? Questions. Who makes sure you're at church on Sunday? Who makes sure you're tithing? Who makes sure you're hospitable? Who makes sure Christ is at the center? Husbands, these are your responsibilities. That's what it means to lead your family. You hold Christ at the center. You drive towards Jesus in every possible way. She is your helper, given by God. She will work hard. She will put in the effort as you direct to Jesus, and she will put her energy into making sure you get there as well. But you're responsible. It's your responsibility. Are you here? Are you serving? Are you giving your lives to Christ? Husbands, Jesus won't look to her on the day of accountability. He will look to you because he's called you to lead your family straight to Christ. Now, I do want to balance this, especially for the younger ladies. Your husband is not your best girlfriend. It's important you know this. He does not and will not ever care about how your fingernails look. He will never notice that you curled your eyelashes. He will probably never know more than about seven colors. All right? And do you know why he doesn't remember about that event with your child's friend's parents, party, you told him about two months ago, because he doesn't care, right? Full stop. He's not your best girlfriend. He's not you repackaged to fulfill all your girlfriend needs. Now, don't get me wrong about that party. He will probably go, and he'll probably be happy to be there, but he is not thinking about those things. You are. Your husband is not your best girlfriend. He is a man called by God to lead you and your family to Jesus, to provide and care for you as he serves you. He should be thinking big picture, where's our family going to be in five years, in 10 years? How am I going to get us there, closer to Christ and providing for my family? That's his focus. That's his call. Support him in that, right? He's not your best girlfriend. He's a man of God called to lead you to Christ. So he's not what those other things are, right? Encourage him to drive the family to Jesus as you, in that supporting role, think about those other detail things which completely are outside of his radar. Amen? Right? Work together. Husbands, you need to take this seriously. To not use strength to coerce, but to treat your wife as a co-heir of eternal life. To lead your family to Jesus. If you don't lead, and she has to lead, if you don't treat her with honor, your sin is against God. And it's incredible what he says at the end of our verse. If you don't do this, your prayers will be hindered. In other words, 
God will not answer your prayers. It's not that you will lose your salvation. We are saved by grace. But God will not listen to a husband who is failing to treat his wife with honor. Can the scriptures make it any clearer than that? Live with your life, live with your wife in an understanding way. Live in a way that you know how God wants you to treat her and treat her with honor, or God will not listen to your prayer. This is a godly marriage. A wife and a husband willingly fulfilling the roles that God has given each. This is the dance of marriage. A wife whose confidence in Christ means that she willingly embraces her role. A husband whose confidence in Christ means he willingly embraces his role and leads their family for the glory of Christ. Together, both willingly playing their part, we have a beautiful and wonderful symmetry with God watching and encouraging both. Here's the truth to finish with. This relationship, this balance of a godly marriage, a husband who sacrificially leads and a wife who gently submits is only possible if you have been born again. What does that mean? It means that you recognize that you are a sinner, that you have lived for things other than Christ's glory, that you have broken God's law, then you repent and turn away from sin, put all of your trust in Jesus, all of it. You don't trust other gods, you don't trust money, you don't trust relationships, you give everything to Jesus. You die to your old life and are born again of the Spirit of God. He comes into your life and makes you new. Then He begins to make you like God intended us to be before sin, before the fall, when He made men and women in the image of God. And as we are born again and as we are made new and as we are made like we were before the fall, we are then free without the tanglement of sin to live out the roles that God has called us to. And our marriages can truly begin to reflect the relationship of Jesus and the church. So let me ask you this morning, how is your marriage? How are you, men and women, How are you living up to God's call on you to fulfill your role? If you are not married but desire to be, are you born again of the Spirit? Are you growing into a man or woman of God that you are called to be? Are you secure enough in your hope in Christ that you will willingly Fulfill the role that God has called you to. Husband or wife, your joy in marriage will be found as a result of your pursuit of Christ. Your joy in marriage will be found as a result of your pursuit of Christ as you hope in Him and fulfill the role He has called you to. That is what Peter is teaching.
Let's pray. Lord, may we center ourselves on your word. May we, men and women, fulfill our role in marriage according to our relationship with you and our understanding of what you have called us to. Lord, may the wives of this church willingly, joyfully submit to their husbands as they honor Christ. May the men of this church lead and treat their wives with honor, not using strength to coerce as we are commanded in Scripture, but to love and sacrifice. Lord, may the marriages of this church represent Christ and his bride. Lord, may we show a world that is so messed up and mixed up on this stuff, may we show them the joy of a Christ-centered marriage. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. May we lay aside the scars of the past, the hurts of the past, the, the concerns of the world. May we lay them aside and get everything we need from Christ. Restore us, Lord, to the men and women of God you've called us to be. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.